God, do you realize that everything you're describing, you you aged into this. From the smallest room in New York City. I had to witness it as an explosion. Comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Because in prison, they don't know these things, okay? They, I was curious about that. It hasn't reached there yet. Like, they know to yell Black Lives Matter when they're, when they're messing with the guards. But the, the real, you know, more liberal activism just hasn't reached there yet mm-hmm. so I was unaware and, and I was reading the New Yorker and Atlantic Monthly and Harper's the whole time and listening to public radio so I had my uh, gut suspicions but I thought you know they haven't led me wrong during my pre-prison life how bad could it be holy shit I come out in 2014 and no. the first thing I hear is that I have white like I said white privilege on parole no. and that's where it all started yeah, it, it really makes a difference when it becomes personal yes. right away. Yes, and but but imagine it all coming at once at you, not as a gradual evolution. You know, a, a lot of people were asleep for that, though. Really? Yeah, I mean, it we... It caught people we, by surprise? Well, I mean, like, it's the, it's the old boiling frog metaphor, you know what I mean? Like, we accepted all these things, you know, incrementally, right? And so, like, but at a certain point, we all have a point. But it's funny. Anybody who's changed their mind, I know that getting it all at once, it, what a, that's that must be <laughs> enraging. Well, I mean, it's not know, just enraging, but it flips you politically immediately. Yeah. It's like, I, in, in one day, I become a Republican. It's a over. It's over. Yeah. 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 It wasn't even something to forgive at that point, you know? I mean, I remember, like, I remember Hillary Clinton talking about super predators. Super predators, yes, of course. You must have met some super predators. I certainly did, especially if you're talking about sexual predators, yes. Oh, right. (laughs) Well, predators of all description, I'm sure. And and you had a... uh, now you, you described somebody that you met. I, I listened to your Fresh Air interview with uh, Terry Gross. And you mentioned that she that that you know this great guy. You know he was a he a very friendly, nice, kind, and, and skilled. You know and and uh, educated, smart. You're all that talking stuff. about the guy who used to be a Franciscan monk. Yes, <laughs> yes, the kindest, <laughs> nicest person I ever met in jail. Give you the shirt off his back. But who knew he took the shirts off four little ki- uh, three? The fourth one was too old. Oh, the fourth one was legal. No. No. Oh my God. But they, they were all brothers, so he really destroyed someone's family. Oh, that's terrible. Wow, wow, Jesus. And I didn't know, you know, I spent six months eating every meal with this man, thinking that he'd been in for vehicular homicide. It was a believable thing, you know, a guy like that. He'd had too much to drink one night, killed an old lady driving a car, and that's why he was so out of place inside. Mm-hmm. I felt out of place myself, so, you know, we had a lot of in common. Um, were you the only one who knew? Or were you oh, the only one who didn't know, rather? I, you know, I wonder about that. I wonder if there were... I think that a lot of the guards knew. And I think that sometimes, the, now that I look back, I, I think the guards were on the verge of saying, by the way, you know. And uh, it's something they're not allowed to actually know. What they do is they look up people on the internet. It's sure. really easy to do. Right. But they're technically not supposed to know what you're in for. Right. So they're always afraid of that being used against them, so they don't show knowledge of being aware of what you're in for. Yeah, they can't. Even if it would help you out, they can't hang that out there. But then again, would it help you out? Because, you know, I'm sure you would you would have liked to have known, but were you sharing a cell with the guy? No. This is when I transferred to a, a medium, and it was a dormitory setting. I had been in Max's for seven years at that point, which is cells, mm-hmm. and then I switched over. Uh, to tell you the truth, it actually could have gotten me stabbed. 
because, uh, like, if I had gone back to the max for some reason, and then somebody uh, malicious uh, person spread a rumor about me that I uh, condone this guy's crimes by mm-hmm. eating with him and befriending him and helping him out, right? And and maybe even kind of spinning that into helping him conceal his crimes. And then when I go with the regular guys... Now you're a pedophile, basically. Yes, I'm yeah. a pedophile uh, activist <laughs> or supporter. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're at least parale- uh, you're, you're pedophile adjacent. And, and how does word get from prison to prison? Well, there's, um, there's very clever methods. It's all done through uh, women who, who uh, marry prisoners. They bounce letters. So... The woman uh, is in fr- in the free world. She gets a letter that's meant for somebody in another prison. She puts it into an envelope of a stamp and sends it out. Uh, it's all done usually because of a gang. The woman is part of the, the gang. Mm-hmm. So that's how the gangs uh, send targets. Like oh. if one guy escapes from a, a prison by using the protective custody system, he, uh, <clears throat> he gets out back into another a yard. He thinks he's safe and free, but word has already followed him through this uh, uh, bouncing letter system. Mm. Uh, Also, uh, just through transfers, uh, men carry long letters in their in their rear ends, mm-hmm. carrying they, all the they information. Boof them. Yes, they boof. <laughs> they boof information as well as drugs and tobacco. Oh, interesting. Yeah, a lot of information flowing around in uh, the in the rectums of prisoners, from uh, institution to institution. Now you were in Rikers for some period, I'm sure, right? Yeah, not in the first nine months. And you were waiting, well, wait, waiting to go to trial. Well, yes. Well, I didn't. I didn't end up going to trial. I took the, the best deal I could get. But um, Rikers is where it all started, and it was uh, it was quite a quite a quite a culture shock for me. I would imagine and, so. Uh, let me tell you about my my very first night. Uh, I, you know, I'm a young white guy. I, I, I'm very feel very much out of place, and I'm introduced to my first dormitory, and I put myself down in my bed, but no one's around. Everybody's in the common room watching television, and then watching a movie. And the movie they're watching is American History X. Jesus. So <laughs> I walk in, and I walk in just in that scene when Edward Norton has the black guy with his mouth on the curb. Oh, and he's saying, put your mouth on the curb. And then you hear the stomp. And then everybody turns around and looks at me. And I'm the only white guy there. And, oh, and, <laughs> and I just thought, like, wow, what do I say? Uh, I don't know. It wasn't me. You know, I <laughs> But um, did you wave? Or did you? <laughs> I really, I really tried to just somehow distance myself. From well, it. That's terrifying. And now I have a lot of, and it's it's more violent now than ever. I think, and and it's the population is lower now than it was then, but yes. it's still rough. Well, I. They keep talking about closing it down, but at the same time, they've invested quite a bit into uh, electronically um, monitoring the whole place. It's, it's really covered in cameras now. And on top of that, they also have a new weapon. Uh, in, in my time, which is 2003, mm-hmm. they were using the clubs for everything. Yeah, and the clubs are fearsome weapons. I mean, I, there's, there's these guys who run down the hall. It's a time-honored weapon. Yes. These guys, the ESU, they're called the turtles. When they run down the hall, you're supposed to look at the wall. You're not, so you don't look at them. And I had a guy next to me. It was his first day in jail, and he just didn't know to do that. So he's looking at them, and as the guys are running, one of them pulls out his club and whacks him in the chin with it, and his teeth scatter. Jesus. This happened right in front of me. Christ. So I thought, oh my God, I better keep my eyes on the wall. But the weapon of today is no longer the club, it's the spray. All right. There's two kinds of spray. There's the uh, one-on-one spray, 
which is equivalent to a pepper spray. Mm-hmm. And then there's the crowd control spray. The crowd control guy, he wears a mask. And the spray he uses is actually bear repellent. Right. So uh, there's lawsuits already because guys have been shot in the face with this stuff and apparently it really burns. But, you know, <laughs> it, it actually leaves no damage, no, no lasting injury. It's supposed to burn, right. It's a crowd control. And, and, and I, I got to tell you, I mean, Rikers Island is... The problem there is a cultural problem. Uh, the, the thing is, is the CEOs who work on Rikers Island all come from the exact same neighborhoods that the prisoners do. And very often, they know one another. And if they don't know one another, they know one another by sight. Mm -hmm. So the cops there are really not trying to do anything to make enemies with these guys. Because these guys are not there forever. The most you can stay on Rikers Island is two years. Uh So unless they're going upstate, these guys are coming out. And most of them, it's a revolving door. They're in and out. They're in and out. So the cops actually try to befriend the guys. Sure in order to have you know some kind of control over them and this is not a way to run a prison because <laughs> what ends up happening is the drugs flow freely the gangs have the run of the place yeah and you know there's violent incidents where people get their faces cut open yeah and it's, it's over drugs and money and the and guards too are, are often involved in that uh, money-making process listen, i'll be honest i myself have bought tobacco from guards mm. you know and only tobacco yeah, the, the 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 drugs scare them because the drugs are illegal. If they have the tobacco on them, they you know they can't really get arrested. They can say they smoke. Okay. When but, you say tobacco now, is, is it always loose tobacco? It was loose tobacco. It was top loose to the cheapest kind, and it was it, at the time the top bag. It cost three dollars for the whole thing, and you could buy a finger of a glove for a ten dollar bill. Hmm. Well worth it. No, no, well not at it. all. No. <laughs> well, I mean, you get a couple, you get maybe uh, ten cigarettes out of it, but you better hope the guy brought you uh, some matches too, and uh, you know, a couple mostly... of red tops and a skateboard. How did you pick that up? <laughs> did you pick that up out of yeah, my? Out of, yeah. Oh, good for you. I mean, I would. Yeah, I mean, this, I'm talking. This, this is Daniel Jenis. I'm, I'm... <laughs> talking to to Dan, Daniel Jenis, who ex convict, ex convict, and uh, also a writer and a journalist, and he has a forthcoming memoir. Yes, it's almost done. I've been doing a lot less journalism the last year because they've been on me. You know, they did pay me the advance, right? Some of it. And did um, you go past a deadline on that? Yes. (laughs) My wife was. She had a similar thing, man. It's like you get an advance, you're like, all right, done. Yes. But then you got to write that fucking book. Yes. Yes. And uh, and it's 1,046. 1,406. That was the number of uh, 1,000. No, you had to write 1,046. Mm. That was that turned out to be the number of books I read. I kept a list while I was incarcerated. It turned mm. out to be a better way of keeping time than a calendar with X's on it. Uh, so it was a list of the books I read with a little uh, description next to it. And the list ballooned to, to over a thousand books, which was really, you know, more books than I had read before prison. Probably more books than. I'll read and for the rest of my life. It's more books than the average ten people have read. Yes, well, maybe. Uh, but when I look back on the list, and uh, it, it's the best memory trigger that I could possibly think of, because w- whenever I look at, at, at a title and an author, I, I can Im- immediately picture what was going on in prison while I was reading this. No, it's a really, it's really evocative, huh? 
Yes. Are yes. you reading your own handwriting, or is, is yes, it's it is in handwriting. It, it, it looks quite. Uh, <laughs> basically, only my wife can make it out. For the memoir, though, you went with uh, traditional typing. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I actually I, I fin- and, and so and it's not just that list, obviously. It's uh, your observations and what no, this takes tw- you back it's to. No, twenty and- chapters, and each, each chapter it's not a chronological story of uh, how I went to Chow and after Chow I went to the yard because <laughs> that that gets kind of old. And there's other prison memoirs like that. Sure. Instead. Each of the chapters is devoted to a subject. So, for example, you have a chapter like Velvet Mafia. That's about gay life in prison. You have a chapter called Black is Beautiful. That's about you know black nationalism in prison. Mm-hmm. That's a long chapter. You have a, ch- I had a chapter called uh, White Power Shower Hour. That's about the different kinds of uh, how, how the white guys get along with being a minority and a despised minority. Uh, um, why a shower hour? Well, they all used to take their shower at the same time for safety. Uh-huh. Okay. And and so the idea I have for prison is always like a, that it's like boot camp. They, they have you 24 hours a day, so they don't tell you when to shower. You actually have a choice. It, well, it depends. Different places, different regimes. But in that situation, it was a four-hour-long yard period, and you, the showers were outside. So you could go at any point during the four hours, but but what happened is uh, guys would work out, and then that, in the last hour there'd be a moment when all of a sudden the showers would be all white, mm. and that would be when all the white guys went together. And it was funny because half of them were skinheads, so they'd have no hair to wash, mm. and the other half of them were these long-haired Vikings who had a whole bunch of hair to wash. <laughs> so whether or not they brought shampoo was, uh, you know, kind of. Well, so uh, and and now you've been out for three years this month. Uh, no, four years. Four this years. Month. Four, four years. years. This month. Yeah, yes, I have, a, I have a year of parole left. Wow! And then and then after that, you're done. I'm definitely done, and uh, you know I don't I don't even cross the street when the light is red. So uh, I'm definitely done. I've been scared straight. Quite you're a, a bit. you're reformed. Yeah, uh, I, w- I was telling you earlier, and 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 I think you disagree, but like you seem like a pretty good example of somebody who went to uh, went to prison and got the message, and in many ways it it, it improved your life in a way that maybe nothing else could have. I mean, it, it definitely improved my life in uh, s- certain ways. I mean, from from. The simplest thing is simply the, the sobriety. Uh, but also, I, I grew up, I had to become a, a man very quickly instead of uh, the, the juvenile boy I was at the time. Well, most of us need to do that. That's why Jordan Peterson so getting rich. <laughs> yes, well, yes, but George, Jordan Peterson has that sonorous voice. And But in any case, uh, I, I can't say that the therapeutic... Pr- programs that prison put me through uh, over and over because you know they can charge the feds every time they have another body in there Mm. Uh, I can't say that that did very much for me and I really uh, don't want to present myself as a a perfect achievement of the prison system because I had a lot of things going for me that other guys didn't I came into prison with an education I didn't need to learn how to read in prison and Mm. that's not the case for many but did that work to your advantage well, no, not always. Not <laughs> I mean, always. It seems as if like it could be a, a detriment, even you know. Because of course, uh, yeah. but you know, uh, with someone like me, there, there's really very little chance that I'm going to uh, conceal my 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 nature. So I had to make the decision right away when I got there. Yeah. Was I going to pretend to be into Harley Davidsons and pit bulls and kickboxing, or or was I going to be myself and hope that they like me anyway? And I just figured that I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna make as the Harley Davidson guy. They weren't gonna believe me. 
Right. Yeah. It's it's, it's a hard sell. And so, so, yeah, they so know anyway, I was right? Yeah, and, and I I believe you mentioned they can the moment you open your mouth, you know, they know that you're not one of them. Yes, I sound I sound educated. In fact, it's funny that that got me. Um, I did a whole NBC program once. I spent two days recording it, and at the end of it, they threw away all the footage because the uh, producer said this guy doesn't sound like he wasn't prison at all. <laughs> two days I spent recording. Out of drag. Yeah. So. Uh, you're in prison for armed robbery, is what yes. it was, and and you committed. Uh, I know at least what. How many did you get convicted for? Eighteen. Well, I was convicted for five, for but five. The, the pattern crime was considered eighteen robberies because they were all done in one week. They were all done by the the, the same person. So I received what's called. Um, a conviction for all crimes known and unknown for that period. Uh, now they don't they don't actually do that anymore. Okay. Because in theory, I could also have uh, killed a couple of people during that week, and then say and, I did my time. And, 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 <laughs> right, right. So, so, so I think I was one of the last people who they did something like that for. Wow, I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, because because I went to thirteen additional lineups that I wasn't picked out on. So I, so that's why I had five five convictions and then thirteen lineups where I wasn't chosen. Wow. Wow, they, I mean, and they got a good look at you, I mean, because you weren't. Uh... I was a, I was a rank amateur. I mean, I, I thought pulling my collar up was a disguise, <laughs> you know. I... And you were known as the apologetic bandit. Yes, yes. I, uh, I... Now, you were in, obviously in. The, they covered this in the Post, Daily News, stuff like that. Yes, they called me apologetic bandit. Now, you know, you mentioned whether prison had uh, made me a better person. For example, a, a better person would show contrition for his crimes, mm. but I showed contrition at the scene of the crime. So, uh, you you couldn't be improved. (laughs) The only way you could have been better is to not do the crime. And you couldn't do that because you were a slave to your drug, heroin. Yes, heroin addiction. Were you shooting it up? I was. I was. Uh, A little under two years of heroin addiction was enough to bring me to that point. And you were married at the time, and your wife was unaware. Yes, I'd been fooling her. The poor poor woman was from another country, and she had no idea what the marks on my arm were and where all the money was going and what the hell I was doing. Well, you had every red flag that you could have. Have and and she was uh, uh and, and and obviously from least, another country. I mean, no, I could I can completely understand how somebody could do that, you know, because if you're not if you, I, I can't tell when people are on coke a lot of times, <laughs> and then people you know they leave and they're man, you know, the guy's on a lot of blow, and I'm like I had no idea. I just thought he had a lot of energy, I understand. talkative, you know, yeah. Because I've never you know, but uh, heroin and and track marks and and you were but you were sober when you met her. I yes, I was sober and I relapsed very quickly afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's funny. How long afterwards? Um, a month or two? By the time we moved in together, I had relapsed. Wow. So I got through the girlfriend part. It is stressful getting so, married. Sober. You know, it's a big step. Well, um, you know, when the arrest happened and I could tell that it was going to be a, a long sentence, not like a year or two, mm-hmm. I didn't actually think they would give me a, what's called a 12 flat. Because I, I, I ended up serving 10 years and three months, mm-hmm. and that's the minimum on a 12 flat. I didn't actually think they would give me that much time because, you know, I'd never committed a violent crime before. I wasn't really, I hadn't hurt anybody. I hadn't touched anybody. You You're know? the apologetic bandit, for Christ's sake. But, no, you know, if you, I was, if you, ever, if you ever read Bonfire of the Vanities, Tom Wolfe explains it very well mm-hmm. when he talks about the, the great white defendant. I was the example, okay. you know, to other people who really should know better. But if you think about it, that's really kind of ridiculous. So they're basically saying that the standards for me uh, are clearly uh, higher, 
and I should be expected to know better, and that's why I need to be punished more severely. Well, I mean, it's exactly like the bigotry of low standards. The that, bigotry uh, of lower expectations. Well, yeah, right. Yes, the, that, that goes the other way, and so I guess it's part of the yes. same thing. Uh, now you, uh, your wife waited for you when you went she in. She waited. I, I, you know, even on Rikers Island, she was she's beautiful, intelligent, and and, and uh, with you know many other chances. And I said, you know, leave. I understand. It's my problem. Uh, I got to deal with it. And she said, you know, I'll, I need to think this through. Let's wait and see. And she thought it through for ten years and three months, <laughs> and uh, we're we're married. It's our fifteenth anniversary in June. Amazing, and still you're still like newlyweds. I love her very much. That's she's, great. She's the greatest thing in my life. You, uh, you know, when you came out though, and you know now you wouldn't. You know, I, I, did you move? Did you have a halfway house situation or anything like that? Or did you go right she, home? She, um, she had no, no. I didn't go home because home, my home where my parents were was another state. My parents were in New Jersey. Uh -huh. That would have been impossible. But my wife had moved to Brooklyn because she got very involved. She worked as an office manager, but she also got involved as a yoga teacher. She wanted to be in that world of yogis and, and kale and quinoa. So she moved next to a <laughs> she whole She came to the right place. <laughs> right. Well, she did. She deliberately went there. And you, have, you better believe it was a shock for me because I, I had been thinking about pizza for the last 10 years. <laughs> and here I am. She goes, wait till you see this. Kale. Uh, <laughs> no thanks. Well, I ate it. Sure what you were eating, like meatloaf, or uh, I, I've seen some prison food. It looks like they give you a substantial portion, at least. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, America is one of the, uh, probably the only systems in the world where there's a, a general problem of obesity rather than uh, calories. You know, in other prisons, like like in the Russian Gulag in the 50s, you had escape attempts where a third party was taken along so he could be eaten on the way. Right. This is unlikely to happen in an American system <laughs> where the guys, you know, if a piece of bread falls on the floor, they don't eat it. Right. You know, yeah. it's not uh, Pappy owned here. Yeah. And I have to admit that during my own 10 years, I learned how to cook very well in microwaves and using jerry rigged equipment and everything. I, I ate well. Um, you know, my, my, my parents brought packages, so I had fresh food now and then. Nice. So. So it wasn't it was that wasn't a tough part, uh, but you didn't get any pizza, and uh, you uh, your video will you make the uh, uh, the one I, yes in, in Los Angeles I filmed a video for the National Geographic Channel where I made a great. whole prison meal yeah and you and you explain like how all this stuff gets what's like, really uh, amazing your equipment if you watch, and everything yeah. if you watch the video it shows you making a four pound cheesecake and I was staying with another writer a friend of mine named Burl Bearer he uh, he I won, know Burl oh you know Burl yeah. Burl's a great man yeah but Burl ate that entire cheesecake. Ah. We were watching a movie, so it was dark, so he couldn't tell that he was uh, finishing it, and he polished off four pounds of cheesecake. <laughs> Burl is 68. I thought, I'm going to be calling the ambulance soon. Right. And it's my fault. I made it. Come on, man. And now you made it. That must be a, a fantastic cheesecake it was that you good. can make in prison. It was good. And and it doesn't require... Now, I watched it, but I would like... I, to be honest... They cut I, out parts. Yeah, the cheesecake is... a. Man, I mean, like, even in the best situation, cheesecake, you know, it seems like it would be a tough thing to make. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Well, you have all the ingredients. You, you know, you use Sanka so that it doesn't give you a huge buzz, and you use uh, cream cheese that you can buy in the commissary or steal from the uh, kitchens. Is it so you don't have a, get a huge buzz? Well, they got, Sanka has no caffeine in it. Right. It you was a coffee-flavored cheesecake. Oh, I see. So it would be a caffeine buzz. Okay. Right. 
Okay, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, but I also, uh, in that meal, I also made fried jackmac, which is a nasty little fish that comes out of a can. But once you clean it, clean the gunk off it, you can deep fry it. Everything deep fried tastes better. You know, you could deep fry oh, dirty right. rags. Yeah, I'm from the South, you know, so I, I'm well aware. You know, I mean, oh, really? Yeah. Well, if you're from the South, then you know all about pork rinds, right? Sure, sure. Well, let me, okay, pork rinds are a delicious thing. And, you know, the population in uh, prison is has a lot of Latins, too. Yeah. And Latinos eat chicharron, which is uh, their version of pork rinds, which are really just larger. So, Generally, they're not afraid of pork. No, no, no. And, and, well, I mean, who really is, except for the Jews and the Muslims? But, um, you know... The, and the, the yoga uh, instructors. Yes. So we figured out how to make pork rinds ourselves. Pepperoni casings. Yeah. That's intestine. Yeah. So if you put that in the microwave and watch it very carefully so that it doesn't burn, you can get it crispy and it tastes just like a pork rind, except it's not the skin of the animal, it's the, uh, you know... The intestine, the yes. good old intestine. Intestine. Uh, you know, it, so have you ever had uh, chitlins? You know, I've never had. Do they always have to be plural? I've never had a chitling or a chit. A single chitlin? Yeah. Let me try one chitlin. I think uh, they do have to be plural because it's like. Uh, it, well, it's intestine. So you say I'm eating intestines? Hmm. You know, uh, it's. Uh, yeah, it's just pig intestines. And, and when, I, I've never had them either. Oh, you haven't had them? No, 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 no. It's, it's not. I mean, I think you got to go really deep south, uh, potentially into a different ethnic uh, uh, culture. Usually, I got you. you know, but like, well, uh, I have been to Savannah, Georgia, where I had um, collard greens with the ham hocks and uh, buttermilk fried uh, chicken. So I, I have. Yeah. Hey, how are you, Pat Dixon? I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, you know, I don't know if you ever noticed, we don't have any ads on this show. Because we don't get to control where they go. They want them at the beginning of the show. I like the beginning a certain way. You, it, There's a lot of reasons, you know. Why should you have to listen to some bullshit about Sherry's Berries or something, you know? Just because you're trying to find out what's going on in New York City crime. So, look, uh, this show's supported through Patreon.com. Go to Patreon.com slash NYC. Patreon.com slash NYC. You get rewards. You get more content. You, you, you get different stuff, and it's a little something for you and a little something for me, and everybody's happy. I, I don't know how old your parents are. My parents are 65. So oh, that's you young. have to imagine my mother works as uh, an assistant vice president at Citibank through, in their computer programming division. My father is uh, an author in, in Russia, and he does broadcasting. He does a show just like this one for the last 40 years. These poor people visited me for 10 years. If you can imagine the trouble they had with prison uh, visiting rooms and vending machines and the, the rude people who couldn't wait online, I mean, they, they suffered. They mm. suffered. You had great, uh, great parents. Well, they, they, you know, they told me, they said, you know, we stuck it out for you this time, but God help you if you ever go back because we're, we'll send you a letter. That's about it. Yeah. And you, you find it, uh, no. Your first generation, then. Yes, I was uh, born here, but just barely. A lot of uh, Russians have a reputation for being, uh, you know, not so warm and not so uh, kind. You know, sometimes they, they they have like an emotional distance. Uh, sometimes well, it's associated you, with them. You have to understand that the, the Russian population has gone through decimation. Mm. I mean, World War II alone, twenty five million civilians died, let alone the Red Army. And, uh, so, you know, everybody in Russia knew somebody who was taken to the camps. Mm -hmm. And when they were taken, these were innocent people. These were, these were not criminals. You know, so I guess 
there's a bit of a training of being able to let go of personal yeah, relationships. Sure. Uh, I mean, my uncle visited me only once or twice. But, you know, when he did visit, I'll tell you, it's kind of a funny anecdote. He came to visit after two years of not visiting. And at the same time, a woman showed up to break up with her uh, husband who was sitting right next to me. Yeah, she should have done it on the phone. Yeah. Because as soon as the guy heard, he broke the pop tab off a can of soda and hopped over the uh, table and did everything possible to scar up her face. Excellent. So that she wouldn't be attractive for the next man. Good choice. My uncle is all of one and a half feet away as this is going on, and he's just looking with blank horror. I'm trying to protect him from this, but the table's in the way. Luckily, the cops ran in quickly, and they yoked up the guy and took him off to the box. The woman was taken to the hospital for her wounds, mm. and he never visited again. <laughs> this guy fucked up. This woman fucked up a lot. <laughs> she could have just done it on the phone. She fucked up your whole relationship with your uncle. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know what? She wasn't going to do that because she wanted to see the reaction. I she didn't expect so. it to be a violent thing against her. How could she not? She thought... the, guy, the guy was obviously a gang member. He had scars on him already. His own scars. They both were going to be scarred up. Yeah, and now, yeah, she, you but know, she was not going to let that go. In Rikers Island, when you walk around, you're, you're just... It's shocking because in the regular population, the regular world, you don't see facial scarring that much. Not really. And people who do have it as a cause of war or accident usually have access to plastic surgeons who fix it up. Mm -hmm. Prisoners don't. No. So they get sewn up with dental floss. Jeez. So when, when I first saw guys walking around with rips from ear to mouth which are called telephone cuts yes. because you get them when you're on the wrong phone, like you're using the blood's phone and you're not supposed to, you didn't ask permission, so they just come and slash you from ear to mouth. Now, how could you use someone's phone? The phones are claimed. Anything in prison that's somewhat of a resource, some, somewhat uh, uh, something that's a commodity and has some value is mm -hmm. immediately claimed. So it's out in the common area, but it does not belong to everyone. Oh, God, no. I see. And there's slot time. So after 6 o'clock, uh, there's certain guys who have their half hour, and they're such bastards because half the time they have nobody to call, but they need to make sure that they still have the slot time, so they just hang the phone. They just let it hang. So at 6.30 on a Friday night, when it's like your only chance to call home, the phone is just hanging there, not being used. Because that's my so, slot so time. That, well, some... You know, yeah. I never had a, a slot time. I didn't try to be a gangster. Wow. I wasn't a punk either, but I was, you know, there's there's different hierarchies. So there's something called stand-up guy, like a regular guy who's not trying to be the big tough guy, but was not a punk either. Stand-up guy. Right? That, that was me. Okay. Never snitched, never ran a debt. Yeah. Didn't do gay stuff. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it, the idea people have about prison is uh, you know what we see in movies and so what we heard and I mean it, it, oh, it's I'm sure very it's... warped I, I'll tell right. you this because b before I came in I, I thought I'm gonna be I'm gonna have to watch my ass for 10 years and it really wasn't like that no. not to say that there wasn't um, sex going on but it was consensual right yeah but, yeah I, I read that article about that and it like uh, the way you put it it's like uh, yeah a guy just kind of uh, Takes a uh, wait. There's a, a name for the relationship, a name for the guy. Booty bandit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> who is like sort of grooming a guy. They work out together, and and this guy becomes his like protege, sort of. Yes, you don't want to be in that position. No, uh, no, because usually it gets to the point where uh, the guy is paying for you to get high. Once he pays for you to get high, that's his claim on you. Mm. Uh huh. 
and now you're the phone hanging off. Uh, the, <laughs> man, it, it, it sounds like it but sounds you like you could just accidentally be... step in shit everywhere. Well, yes, trouble will definitely come for you. I mean, like, do you get a warning on that phone thing? Yes, you, okay. you do. Okay. You do because they don't want to really. No, but I mean, only psychopaths really want violence. They nobody really wants it because there's consequences. You know, it used to be um, even 20 years, as recently as 20 years ago, if you killed somebody in prison, you didn't get 25 to life. You got you know another eight years added to your sentence. While if you kill a civilian, if you kill somebody in the real world, you get 25 to life. Right, you kill so, somebody in prison, you save the, the 100 grand. You <laughs> well, know, you, so. you could actually get a medal, right? <laughs> <laughs> but th- when it was like that, it was a different culture. It was much more violent. And there were guys walking around who had killed multiple times. I played chess with a guy who had killed two people. I mean, he had killed I hope you one. let him win, right? No, 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 no. He was very calm, but he had killed somebody to get into prison, and then mm-hmm. in prison, things were something was bad for him in the early '80s, and he had killed again. Wow! And when I met him, he was in his '60s, still in prison, and he's never going anywhere. And no, and so he like, is. he'll go. He'll yeah, go. he didn't have life. Natural life is actually a very rare sentence, hmm. and they don't use the death penalty. I right. don't know. I don't know why. I certainly met people who who deserved it. Well, yeah. I mean, there were people who were so despicable that, that the guards basically told them, don't go in the yard because they're going to kill you. Was uh, Ron DeFeo one of those guys? No, he. everybody liked him. Huh. The Amityville Horror. He was popular. For one thing, he was rich. And he spread it around. Okay. I guess he did get this, uh, get the insurance money after was, all. I, I think it was actually the sale of the house. Uh-huh. And, you know, my grandparents lived in that town, so I knew the house intimately. So when I, when I met Ronnie, I, uh, I, the way I met him, I said, listen, I've been in your basement and there's no damn red room where the devil lives. Because that's what it says in the book. That oh, okay. Under the stairs, there's a red room and that's where Satan hangs out. With all the flies buzzing around it? So, the flies come out of there. So, so he goes, of course there's no red room. Of course. But, but Ronnie DeFeo told me four different versions of the, of the murder over the four years I knew him. Or no, three. three. Because at one point, uh, it was the mafia that killed his whole family. And it was the sister Dawn. And the sister... Right. Well, the sister then, killed the dad, and then the mother killed all of everybody, or something like that. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, but he blamed it on Don. And there was some allegation, uh, or I'm sorry, there was one more theory uh, besides that, though. Is there more? Well, more? you said there were three. Well, the final one was when he said, I would have done it again. They have fucking had it coming. Because his, <laughs> his dad used to beat him. Okay. You know, and Ronnie used to get really whacked on these uh, pills they were giving. He was on a uh, Percocet. They'd give him a, a whole cup full of these things Jesus. And I don't think there was anything really wrong with him but it kept him nice and calm yeah you know so and he, then you come off those things you're like that chimp that ripped that woman's face off up in Connecticut I don't think he ever came off anything but uh, <laughs> oh who Ronnie or the chimp yeah oh. no the chimp definitely uh, but you know I remember the last it was the last day I was leaving and I asked him so Ronnie what really happened in Amityville and that's when he muttered that uh, that thing you know because he, he he was always very careful about what he said he, he and he went to parole the same year that Amityville Horror 3D came out. And of course, Ronnie DeFeo is never going to make parole, right? They only gave him 25 to life. They just gave it to him six times, uh, not consecutively, but... Concurrently? concurrently. Not concurrently. Yes, oh, concurrently. Okay. Oh. He has 25 to life concurrently. So he's been on the parole board eight times. Oh, wow. But they're never going to release him because he So he didn't get 150 years. He got no, 25 years. That's all he got, 25 Why? Years. Oh, my because God. Because this, this is 1973 this happened. Or, yeah, so, so they sentenced people differently then. And prison was a lot harder then. Mm. So that's why. So that's why Ronnie has been to parole so many times. 
And when they turned him down yet again that year that Amityville Horror 3D came out, he had a very uh, promising appeal. He said that, how on earth can I make parole when there's a movie out showing me jumping out of a closet to slaughter my family? Yeah. Well, he still didn't make parole. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, parole is out of hands. It's only three people. I just found that out. And if you get the right people or the wrong people appointed there, it could really, you know, they're, uh, uh, you mentioned black nationalism before. A guy is getting out who killed a couple of cops. He's getting out in April. Who? Who is it? Uh, his name escapes me. I got it in my computer, but I can find it. But he was uh, with the Black... Uh, Liberation Army? Black Liberation Army. Not Anthony Laborde, is it? Uh, no, I don't think so. Abdul Majid? I'll tell you his name. I got it right here. I was uh, doing but some research. I'm going to interview Ralph Friedman coming up for an episode of Crime Report. They've been very about. soft on that with the women, especially. They just, you know. Yeah, they especially got that the woman, woman in City College right now who, who teaches, and, and you know, she, she's just as crazy as ever. Kathy oh, Boudin. Sure. Boudin. Am I saying it right? Yeah, I, I don't know, but she's she's one of them who uh, who they let out. She's nothing's changed for her. She, she, you know, Black Lives Matter was 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 like a Christmas present for her. Yeah. Oh right, it you know Black Lives Matter really it it kind of uh, has put a uh, it had a chilling it has a chilling effect on any sort of commentary about the whole thing. Well, I, I, you know Black Lives Matter actually is wonderful because Black Lives Matter gave uh, put Donald Trump into the presidency because Black Lives Matter is just such a lying horrible organization that that is so clearly you know misrepresenting Ferguson and yelling about dead cops when do we want them and then when in Dallas it actually happens five dead innocent police officers whose families have to live their entire lives knowing that that their fathers died for for what for this one guy's anger racial anger you know it's it's an awful ugly thing yeah it's 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 really unfortunate and you're not allowed to say what I'm saying right now you know, no, that. it's the cause, though. It's the cause right now. You know, it's and they're all linked. Is the thing. I mean, like, if you have one of these, uh, well, they're going to start eating each other, though, because if you if you support like Black Lives Matter, do you think Black Lives Matter is big on gay rights? Well, it doesn't matter because the whole idea is to uh, displace the patriarchy. Yeah, but but see, like the Black Liberation Army, which you mentioned, I had a a, a neighbor who went to trial as a member of the Black Liberation Army in 1982. He was one of the queens, too. And when he he got checks from all the other activist groups, and when he got a check from a gay rights group, he sent it back because Muslims don't uh, agree with that. Right. And, and so yet- they, they demand tolerance for themselves while, while uh, being intolerant of other things, and, of and they're serious about it. Of he course. sent money back. Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, Donald Trump makes strange bedfellows. You know, and and uh, he he is the one who has put all those people in the same camp. We I remember watching them. Uh, They're gonna eat each other in that camp. They, yeah, to some extent. Especially when they bring Islam in. Let's just hope they don't take too much of a bite out of us first. You know, I mean, but like they, uh, I say, us. Ones, I mean, I know yeah, what you mean. Yeah. But but who pays the taxes? The same money that they want to spend on the entitlement programs. Where does it come from? Mm. It doesn't come. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know. It's 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 really 
well, you know what, you, what it is. You're taking money from uh, one group to give it to another. I mean, it's communism, really. I mean, you know, to equalize all that shit out like that. I, I've been pointing my finger at communism a lot in the last year. Why wouldn't you be? Communism is, 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 you know, they talk about Nazis and fascism all day long. Communism is ten times worse. Oh, yeah. My family, so, you know, we lost everything twice because of communism. You know how many dead people there are that we know because of communism? Many more than, than the, the Nazis. Nazis, yeah. yes, of course. Yeah. And yeah. we're Jews. We're Jews. I'm, I'm half Jewish. Mm -hmm. So, he, he, nevertheless, communism was still a, a much greater foe to my to my bloodline. Well, the whole Nazi thing is uh, it's, it's really not really... It, it, it's always aimed at the wrong people. That's what I don't understand. Well, it, it, I don't know. It seems like, the wor like a word like fascism. To me, you know, taking away someone's freedom of speech, that's a really fascist thing to do. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But you never hear it that way no. you know and instead it's the, the the Republican Party that's fascist we all know how that. about this court in Scotland that took uh, you know convicted Count Dankula that's pretty fascist oh well, that's hate speech right well, I mean that's the whole idea I know I know that and the arguments don't make any sense at all hate speech is supposed to I mean like uh, first of all hate speech isn't I don't think there's are there laws against hate speech exactly in other countries yes. in other countries there yes. are but but here, people uh, people use the term hate speech to describe anything that they disagree with, any reference to another culture or ethnicity. Any, I mean, like they, they define it so loosely, and uh, to get hung with that, you know, it, it can ruin your career. And, and the government has created, I don't know if the government's created, but it has come about that we have a situation of self-policing, uh, you know, the 1984 thing, everybody snitches on each other. We don't need to have... Uh, the government restrict our right to speak because we, we're doing it to ourselves. Well, yes, but it doesn't help that the social uh, media networks are quite active in the process, too. Hey, no, that's what I mean, yeah. I mean, you but know, that's I've us. had my own uh, Facebook posts shadow banned, and mm -hmm. I've seen how that works when my friends can't see my posts when I post about Islam, right? right. And stuff like that. Yeah, and so, but they're corporations. Because I, I was, I, let me just. And, and they're free to do that. Well, they're free to do that, but they're doing it at the behest of what? Angela Merkel? Like, who were they doing it at the behest of? But I just want to say this. Scandinavia, which has been in the news because of Sweden and their rape epidemic and everything, this is all very familiar to me. I was a student in Copenhagen, in mm -hmm. Denmark. I spent a year of my life speaking that language, living that life in, in the 1990s, and it was wonderful. They have their socialist little, you know, they only have five million people in Denmark, so they can get away with a little bit of socialism, you know. You know, and they don't really, they didn't, you know, they had students taking advantage of the program. Not anymore. Now they have, you know, migrant families, but not not in Denmark so much. Now the problem's in Sweden. So, but I but I traveled Sweden quite a bit. I had, uh, you know, I had a girlfriend from Finland who was actually Swedish. I know about Sweden. So when I see these things on television about, about what goes on in Malmo, and it's horrifying to me to see this happen, that they've been importing a whole culture they talk about rape culture here and yet they're actually importing one what do you think is behind that i don't know i is it some kind of guilt over over world war ii is it just the, the guilt over being more successful as a, of the first world i i is it is it virtue signaling to that extent that you're willing to have your own daughters raped mm-hmm where, where, what is behind it? it it's, uh, there's obviously a force there that's beyond guilt. I think guilt is what somebody's manipulating, and they, the conditions are ripe for that, you know, because of uh, everything that's but happened in the past. But I have friends there who are still there, and I ask them, I say, first of all, I ask them whether it's true. 
I ask them whether, is it really scary for you at night? And Which, they're reluctant and to tell you this. I they guess. are reluctant. They say, we know, we know Muslim families, they're very nice people. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not, okay, fine, they're nice people. Is it scary for you to walk down the streets? Because in 1996, when we used to walk down the streets of Stockholm, it wasn't scary at five in the morning. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter what time of day it was. It was never scary. Mm -hmm. Is it now scary? And in the end, you get to it. Yes, it's scary. Yeah, yes. but you have to really do it. They, they, the party line that they cling to, I mean, that's obviously they're socialized, you know. I mean, like, not in the political sense, but in the mental sense, you know. And, and they also uh, have a situation where, I, like, I think it's coming from someplace else. I think, I think it's, yeah, I, when you start talking about things that... Uh, are in theory, you know, I have no like uh, evidence of this necessarily. But do you remember when Obama used to say that, like, well, the rich people are just going to have to if you get a little bit, you have to give a little bit more, and he wanted to equalize everything, sort of, you know, like uh, if you're rich, I can't think a of, a, more. of a worse thing to do to a nation than 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 to promise unearned riches to to people. Well, yeah, and First to penalize all, the people who did earn it. Yes, that too. Of course, it's Beautiful. punishment for, for, for the ones who succeeded. For success. So that's a great impetus. That's that's a great motivation for others to succeed as well. That's why in Scandinavia, does anybody start a business there ever? No. No, mm. they, they go they go east to, to Latvia to start a business. Sure. you don't pay the crazy taxes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I think that when he said that, he meant that on a worldwide level. And I, I, he's obviously not the only one thinking that. So well, I think the idea is you take a country like that's successful, like Sweden, right, that's doing very well, and uh, to go, well, okay, we just need to take some of these people who are doing terrible in third-world countries, and we'll send them over there. They make things a little worse. Their country gets a, a little lot. bit better. and then Does it get better? It doesn't even get better. It doesn't even get better. Of course not. But it, but making the other one worse makes it relatively better, and so the idea is to equalize the whole thing, and, and it's a one world, no borders kind of deal. I think that's what well, they that's, want. Well, that's that. What you're describing is a globalist hell. Right. You know? Yeah, and 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 that that's the thing. Uh, when you start talking about the globalists, that's when you people uh, consign you to Alex Jones land, which I have no problem with Alex Jones, but like it's he's you know become synonymous with uh, gay frog uh, thinking and all that kind of stuff. Okay, Alex Jones is weird, but you know. How come the Young Turks are okay? Because, young Turks. <laughs> because they say things that to me, like, I don't know, I missed out on 10 years, so maybe I'm a little bit of an idiot or something. Oh, wow, well, you've been, when, a, yeah, man, you're like a time traveler. Right, sort of. I'm Rip Van Winkle, right, from, from, from 2003. But Cenk Uyghur is a racist. Yeah. Right? Sure. He's, he hates the, the white people and is willing to say it on a national broadcast. You can He's, get away with it. But how? How is this possible? How can you make r racial characteristics? Like, even if you say, I love all of this race, once again, that's racism because you're not... You're not loving them for individual characteristics. You're defining them as having racial traits. Yeah, you're clearly not really uh, seeing the individual beyond the skin. Yes. So how can Chenk, Chenk Uyghur do this and get, then YouTube will uh, you know promote the videos? And that's okay. Because well, they're totally unfair. See there? And... Biased and, and everything, yeah. I mean, they really are. I mean, look, white people tolerated it. It didn't bother us at first. It didn't bother most white people. It's like, oh, white people, this and that. You know, it's going, oh, it's trendy. And now it's kind of like a snowball thing. You but know? can you imagine what a it's surprise it was for me? I spent 10 years in prison with with a majority black population mm -hmm. being treated just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because I was guilty like everybody else. We were all <laughs> guilty there together. Sure. So we were all treated the same way. And we weren't treated well. Surprise. Yeah. Right? So then I finish. I finish. 
I get out, and I'm told that I'm beset with white privilege. <laughs> I have white privilege. I'm on parole, but I have white privilege. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm probably a racist, so I was probably born wrong because because of my race. I have uh, inherent characteristics. Wait, yeah, I mean, the white, what? white privilege is racist. When did the, this happen? The concept of white privilege is in itself racist. When did this happen? How, when in the 10 years that I missed did this, did this occur? Because I remember the night Obama was elected. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't very pretty in prison the night Obama was elected. No. There was a lot of banging and screaming. The, guy, every, the guys were all happy. The cops were furious. Well, they, were, they, were, they thought they were about to be released. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, I, I, this hasn't... So the, the cops were running around yelling, turn the fucking radios off, turn the radios off, because everybody was blasting the, the, the news. And, but, you know, I had just read his book. I read Dreams of My Father, and I thought, okay, let's give this a chance. This is, he seems like an intellectual president. Maybe he really will be another JFK, you know, uh, a thinker of a, of a president. And I remember the next morning, I went down to breakfast, and I had two young black kids sitting in front of me. These are kids who are in GED classes, who grew up in the projects. They're not, you know, they have no idea of what led up to the election. All they know is that last night a black guy got elected president. And the two kids say, did you hear the news? We're going to have white slaves now. <laughs> and they're saying it for me. Right. They're saying it to rile me up, to see, to see if they get a reaction out of me. And I thought, I was like, is this really what, what we bought? Like, this is how it's going to be? Uh, like, I guess it's... Uh... Well, there's there a lot of anger. There's a lot of anger, and the and the media stokes that. The media stokes. Oh, anger. it's terrible. They so, they race bait so horribly. Uh, all the time, yeah. And they and they love a story like a Michael Brown story. They're not letting go of that just because it isn't true. Uh, so uh, the narrative of the uh, unarmed black man continues. Unarmed black. Yeah. Alton Sterling. Yes. I'm, you know, but this is so weird because I have friends who I've known for a very long time and they're even in this business and I had a good friend of mine tell me that he watched Michael Brown get put in a headlock and he wept and I said you know not for nothing me and you used to smoke blunts in downtown Manhattan and we've done some things and you never wept <laughs> so now you're weeping because yeah. because of Michael Brown so he's he's lying right like he didn't yeah. really weep of course but 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 the, the the virtue signaling profit in telling other people that he wept is actually there. Like other people are really, they, first of all, they believe it, and and they're impressed. They're like he's sensitive. Yeah. What it's, the hell? That's incentivized incentivized a lot by uh, and by feminism too. You know, like when a man cries, women celebrate that. It's a victory. Do you uh, know who I grew up with? Jessica Valenti. You Jessica know? Valenti. Yes, you know who that is. Uh, is she the one who wrote? Uh, she, she was a I blogger. drink male tears. I drink male that's tears. That's her. That's her thing. <laughs> oh god. She's a big time feminist. Yeah. Well, they. You know, there's two different women are two different people in the course of the day. When they're watching The View in the morning, they're like, "It's great <laughs> that men are so sensitive." And at night, they're that's like, why I'm married to a European woman, not for nothing. She's much smarter than all this. She'll never consider herself feminist. At the same time, she doesn't take any shit. It's simple as that. You know what I mean? If you, you get, feminism is uh, dead, you know, because it's a, now it's just a it's it has nothing to do with women anymore. It's all a political movement, and it's all a political movement of the left. And it's I mean, look, they love. If you look at now, you know this probably that the the, the communist plans, right? You know that they were writing in the fifties. You know, here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna get into the schools, we're gonna get into the churches, we're gonna get into the, into the press, we're gonna get into politics. And we're going to slowly turn this country around. And we've seen the culmination of that. Uh, well, well, look, 
Who do you think when the when the Black Panther Party puts on new berets and puts on leather jackets and looks all snazzy with their guns and everything and their haircuts? Who pays for that? It's yeah, it's not the car wash down the street. It's so who pays him. for it? Do you know? Uh, I probably it's some sort of a socialist Democrat front. No, 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 no. In the sixties, the KGB paid for it. No way. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's why COINTELPRO was so interested. It's not because they're such racist bastards. It's because the money was coming from Moscow. Wow. So the the whole the whole and nobody cares about that. Well, because no one cares. identifies Moscow as the Third Reich, even though it's much worse. Well, yeah, and, and it's uh, we communism was supposedly defeated when the, the wall came down and all that shit, which is the you know what they did. Well, after they the convinced... wall came down, the only Marxists left in the world were in North Korea and Ivy League universities. <laughs> and they are still and now there. They're still there. <laughs> Man, they're not going anywhere. The universities. We I don't know when we lost those. I listen. I went to NYU. And I, I just, I, I, I don't have children. I can't imagine sending somebody through. Luckily, I had brains and I had my own family to guide me, so I wasn't misled. Because the, some of the classes that they made me take, you know, instead of like world history, I studied something called negritude, which was the movement of because I, I had a French minor, so the the movement of francophone. Um, you know, 60s cultural liberation. Like, I don't know why I was reading this stuff when I hadn't, at that point, I hadn't, I, did, I couldn't name the first 10 Roman emperors like I can now. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why can't, why, why not teach such things in, in classes? I mean, well, they say because it's Western suprematism. But we are in the West. And what's, what's and wrong we, with knowing and, our own history and having pride in it? It's successful. Yeah, and, and, and you know what's wrong with it. You, you, they don't want you to have pride in it. They don't want you to know about it. They but don't they want, want it. iPhones. You can't have iPhones without 2,000 years of Western history. Sure. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they, they're short-sighted. And they, know, don't want, they don't want everybody to have an iPhone. Do you know who laughs deepest at all this? China. Mm. China looks at this stuff. And they, and they go, go ahead, eat yourselves, kill yourselves, go ahead. It's mm-hmm. hilarious to us. Because you, do you think the Chinese care about racism? <laughs> do you think they're interested in feminism? They, they, they want to win. Mm-hmm. And if we spend our resources on fighting each other and, and, and having these fake problems when there's real problems, why isn't there a man on Mars? I'd be horrified if the Chinese put one there before before we do. But you know we're too busy fight, fighting uh, for for Islamic rights. Yeah, talking about bathrooms and all that, right? Uh, the bathrooms, guy w- Jesus. Oh yeah. Do you know right now that in New York City homeless shelters, a man can walk into a woman's shelter and get a bed in a four-woman room? Half the women are in those shelters because of domestic abuse and rape. And a man can go in there and simply say, I identify as a woman, even though I have a fully functioning 14-inch penis. <laughs> Want to see it function? Well, well somebody will. They, that's what I'm saying. They're yeah. gonna, so, well, somebody will, and there's going to be a case, and they're going to settle out because they're letting it happen right now. And it's going to be so underreported. I already got the kill fee. I already, <laughs> I already wrote the article and got the kill fee. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to print it. I found I found a tranny living in the, in a shelter. I found another woman willing willing to uh, complain to say that you know I was raped. I don't want to live in danger of that. And not personally, the guy he's a nice or she's a nice person. It's just I'd rather not. It's a woman's shelter, and the shelter was willing to kick the woman out. In Canada, that's exactly what did happen. They, a woman made a fuss about it, and they kicked her out. They so, kicked her out. Yeah. 
Canada might can if there's they're worse than us. Well, they're pretty bad. They've got Justin Trudeau, who is the. How did he even get in there? Because of his father, I suppose. It's just shocking to me. But it's like the whole British so common, Commonwealth, because Australia and New Zealand are pretty bad too. But then, then you have South Africa, which is about to turn into a genocide, and uh, that's really a, try writing an article about that. They don't want to hear about that either. They're about to pass a law saying that land belonging to white farmers can be. Uh, reappropriated. I don't know how that works because the Dutch have been there since the 1600s. So, so these people are going to fight back the Boers, and there's only three million of them. So they're going to be slaughtered. They're already being slaughtered on a daily basis in the farm attacks. You should look it up sometime. It's really awful because they rape, rape they rape children, they rape old ladies. It's just this is in the outskirts where they have huge farms. Uh-huh. The, it was an agricultural nation. Right yeah. now it's falling apart. You know, they have um, brownouts. They, the water stopped running. I mean, the last 20 years, well, the rainbow nation, as they called it, as soon, as soon as it was one man, one vote, what they did is exactly what communism does everywhere. They vote themselves privileges and basically money. Mm-hmm. They vote themselves the right not to work, basically. Yeah. You know, and there's there's also racial quotas for jobs. So South Africa is a first world country no more. Wow. Man, and it used rough. to be, you know, there used to be surfing in Durban, but it was also the big bad boogeyman with apartheid. Right. But now, why do you call it the big bad boogeyman? Do you, you think apartheid was a good thing? <sighs> I don't think apartheid was a good thing, but I think that the destruction, the way apartheid was dismantled was a failure. Mm. And because we've deified Nelson Mandela, Mm-hmm. No one really wants to talk about this. Right. But if, if, if in 20 years a country has gone from being a safe place to the rape capital of the world, uh-huh. the HIV transfer capital of the world, something's gone wrong. Those are just leftover problems, I'm sure. That's exactly what they say. Yeah, of course. All the problems, like especially what's funny is the infrastructure. Because the infrastructure, see, it's hard to um, measure whether people are happy or not. But it's easy to tell whether the power's on or off. Yeah. So... In South Africa, there's rolling brownouts. And this is a country that used to sell electricity to all five of its um, neighboring states. Mm-hmm. And now they don't have enough power for their own cities. Mm-hmm. What's changed? Tw- only 20 years have passed. God, 20 years ago, I was 20. It's not that long. Right. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, and people uh, don't like reporting on this stuff. They don't. I mean, like, look, that's a huge story. That's that, That's fascinating. That should be very interesting to everyone. Well, especially what, you know, since the press likes showing blood and then, you know... The, remember, if it's the right blood. If it's the right blood. If it's a Syrian boy drowned, they'll put the picture on the front page. But these Boer murders, they're literally taking the people into pieces. They're cutting them up. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, like a horror movie. But you never see this. This isn't reported. And now South Africa has a new law where they no longer uh, jot down what the races are of the uh, assailants or victims. That's coming here. You know, that's coming here. That's brilliant because when they need to identify a perp, that's going to make a whole bunch of sense. Well, the media has begun that, you know. He was brown shirt. Brown shirt. He had a brown shirt. He he was uh, 5'10". Uh, with the uh, long hair, yeah, and you hear these things all the time. Now you know p- police brutality and, and has been in, in the news constantly before the election and after. Mm-hmm. And I always, I'm so naive. 
you know, I have all these friends who I grew up with. They're all they're all very very smart. They're in this business. So I figure I'm the only one of them who's ever been arrested, right? Right. And not only arrested, I've been arrested 14 times in my life, and two of those times have been for felonies, and one of those times was for a violent felony, which means that they're assuming I'm armed. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. And, so and, I have and experience you being have experience. arrested. And if they've, yeah, you're the only one who's been arrested for something other than like, uh, you know, laying down in, in the street to, to, to protest right. for something. I've been arrested right. for, for armed robbery, Real serious things. felony. So I tell, I, th- I, th- I think maybe they're just ignorant. And when they re- hear about, you know, Ferguson, they believe everything. So why don't I share with them my personal experience? And I, and I tell them, I say, look, the real truth is, is that cops aren't trying to make their own job harder by unnecessary acts of violence. What the cops uh, do is react if you don't comply. Yeah. And in my 14 arrests, I've never even had a curse word thrown at me. Well, you can imagine the usual response to that. It it's, it's, it's must be my race. Obviously. But it's not because I've been arrested by so it's New York City. The cops are black, you know? That's something that gets forgotten, yeah. It's almost proportional. Not quite, but it's almost, yeah. It, but it's almost proportional. I mean, so, there's a... Uh, and you see what's happening here, even in this city. We've been talking about this a great deal. That uh, in in uh, enforcing the law, what they've done is they have brought crime. You know, they're keeping it reasonable, keeping it down. And the way they do that is by uh, making a bunch of shit legal. You know, and like like uh, the weed, like the weed, like the jumping the turnstiles. They're not enforcing that now. Uh, it's not technically legal, but it is. They're not enforcing it. They and and it's been they've been told that they're not going to prosecute that. And really? Yeah, and the same with uh, you know urinating. That is legal now. It's not legal. It's a ticket. It's not. It's decriminalized. Mm-hmm. So if you urinate in the street, so what about you, the whole broken windows policy? It's uh, gone. Out the door. Thing of the past. Hmm. And and as that's happened, uh, you know they've well yeah, they're finding fewer guns maybe or whatever you know and and, and so like but I I think that the truth about crime going down is that it's simply been priced out. I mean, as as Manhattan, you know, all of Manhattan is now expensive. There's no more bad neighborhoods in Manhattan. Washington Heights, where I grew up, I can't even, I can't afford it anymore. I have to live in Queens. You can't price crime out, though. It still Why? happens. Because, I mean, like you said yourself, you know, Midtown Manhattan is not an ex- a cheap place to live. And ah, yet well, that's a good point. Because, but that's drug crime, you know? It's not violent crime. But it, but violent crime is required at some point with drug crime. It, it, they tend to follow each other, but, even with weed. Even when they have, uh, say, say there's some guys hanging out and they're smoking weed, uh, and you're not supposed to hassle them now, right? Or if really? You, or, yeah, yeah. They just smoke it. They're allowed to smoke it. Not, that would have been convenient when I was a kid. Not exactly, but they they you know look, it, it's not. For instance, there was a woman smoking weed. Uh, there was a story about this a couple of years ago, and Bratton walks up to her, takes the joint Bratton out of himself. her mouth, takes the joint out of her mouth or out of her hand, and says, uh, "You know," and he, and he like steps on it or whatever. You know what I mean? But and no arrest. Did she recognize who Bratton was? Probably not right away. Probably had to be told. <laughs> he, otherwise, she wouldn't have smoked a joint right in front of him, maybe. But yeah, it, and so it's uh, it's not seen as a serious thing, and yet when they. You know these violent crimes and shit like that. It's there's marijuana is often linked in there. So they're, they're, p- people who smoke weed are not necessarily violent, but people who are violent probably smoke but weed. That makes sense. But Pat, let me let me tell you this. When I was upstate, when I was especially when I was in the Maxes, right? I was my ten years was considered short time, and most of the guys I was with were doing twenty five to life for murder, and it was so strange because they all seemed to know each other. 
I felt so out of place. I didn't know a single person there. And these guys all knew each other. And do you know why they all knew each other? It wasn't just because they went through the same jails. It was because they came from the exact same neighborhoods, the exact same projects. And I've read on this, it's, it seems that you can really isolate that, that, that violent crime is coming out of certain specific areas. Sure, East New York. And right. Brownsville. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and Bed-Stuy to a now, lesser extent. Now, yeah. 30 years ago, you might have included Harlem in that um, list, but not anymore, not with million-dollar brownstones in Harlem. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can price out crime. To some extent, maybe, yeah. But well, you know, I mean, I don't know that crime got priced out so much as it got stopped and frisked out, you know, in the 90s, mm -hmm. you know, and now they don't do that anymore. There, there were, like, something like 13,000 stop and frisk done or, or even less in, in recent years. I mean, like, and we're talking about... At the peak, now, the, I think that uh, Ray Kelly did overdo it. He had a, a, an, un, uh, an unofficial quota in there. You're supposed to toss a certain number of guys. And What's so wrong that, with that? Well, because it, it brings about a situation where you're going to toss a few guys who aren't doing anything. So what, though? It doesn't hurt them. If they're not doing anything illegal, then what's the difference? Well, it interferes with them unnecessarily. I think, if, like, why would it, why, I wouldn't want to be stopping for for nothing. Uh, but, I mean, like, look. That's an interesting perspective, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't quite agree that there should necessarily be a quota. But I do think they should stop and frisk everybody that they think has of course, something illegal going just on. Just think about it. We we hire police officers to do a dangerous job, yeah. and we pay them for their experience. Why do you, why do police officers with twenty years get more money than first year rookies? Because they have twenty years of experience, and they know what they see. They know a bulge in someone's pants is a gun. They, furtive movement, you know, they, they they know what they're doing. So. When we interfere with them and tell them that, you know, racial guidelines need to be used rather than your intuition, you're completely negating the whole point of, uh, you know, lifetimes of experience in law enforcement. Yeah. Why? That's the why? idea, because it's all part of the and same... And why fight your own law enforcement? You know, like, once they started... Yeah, good point, yeah. I mean, uh, when you have the mayor setting the tone on that, it, it well, becomes the yeah, sticky, he's... you know? And and so the, the idea, I guess, is that what... The, the ultimate idea behind it was to use our own laws and our own system of rights and shit like that against us. So they take it to an extent where, oh, okay, well, we can see a, a crack here where there's kind of something that could be described as racism in some way, by some measure, coming through. And that's all they need. And then from that, they wedge it open, it gets bigger, and now, you know, next thing you know, you're a, a homophobe uh, and a trans, you're a transphobe if you don't want that person in the same homeless shelter with you or in the same bathroom or something like that. And so it becomes, uh, you know, and, don't, and, and don't logically... Don't forget Islamophobe if you're against course, the, yeah. those kind of crimes. Well, I mean, if you're against things like, you know, uh, female circumcision and stuff like that. I can't know. believe that even goes on in this. That's just shocking. Or the grooming gangs in in England. I mean, that's that's horrifying that that went on and you know went on for years and years. And well, the the rape in, in England is is, is is insane too. I mean, there's one town where like 1,500 young women were raped. Is that Rotherham or Telford? Rotherham, yeah. And and you know, and there's no yeah they they don't they would rather just not enforce it than be called racist. Well, that's that virtue signaling. That's that, you know, we've brought this all upon ourselves. Well, we've made it the kiss of death to be identified that way. And there's and there's no, look, that no 
They don't have to prove it. You know, I have a theory about that. Guilty I, until proven innocent. I, I think that it's it's really a, a failure of atheism. And I'm not a religious person my, my, myself, but I, I think mass atheism has not worked out very well for the first world <laughs> because we don't have a concept of sin anymore. We don't have a concept of right and wrong, right. which are objective. Everything is subjective. So as a result, we've introduced concepts that are objective, and one of them is racism. Racism is one of the biggest sins. Homophobia is another sin. Bigotry is, a, is a, at the level of a sin. You know, these things are, are evil. There's just no justific, justification for them, you know, with, with a certain mindset. Mm -hmm. and, and you would think that this would lead to a good world, a tolerant world. But you know what it really leads to? The toleration of intolerance. <laughs> and that is evil. Interesting. The toleration of intolerance. Yes. By a, but, but you've switched. Uh, the, it's an authoritarian left. Yes. And uh, So if you tolerate a, 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 an imam preaching death to the Jews, mm -hmm. then you're no longer tolerant. It's, not, it's bullshit. You're not tolerant by tolerating that. Wow, that's true. Yeah. It's... Uh, so we're complicit. Absolutely. And and really the people that have been cowed into silence, which is everybody, because everybody wants to make a living. Nobody wants to be a pariah. Yes. And and it's so easy to to become one now. Even Roseanne. Well, it's, yes, but look what the but obviously the nation feels otherwise. Look at the ratings. They do, and the, and they you would not. Oh, and, and they and, hate it. And the holes they're trying to poke in it, and, and how 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 bad they're trying to make it. Uh, yeah, she's. Uh, Public enemy number one in Hollywood, I'm sure. It's ridiculous. You know, in Twitter, it's being fought out, you know, because somebody uh, posted something with uh, David Hogg, uh, you know, the, the kid from uh, Florida who survived, uh, who it turns out wasn't from what I understand. He was like, uh, uh, he said he was hiding in a closet or some shit like that. So anyway, uh, somebody posted a picture of Photoshopped or something. He had his hand up and she, and you know, doing like a Oh my God, the salute. Uh... She said Nazi salute. And now so she's calling him a Nazi. So we have a very disingenuous press and uh, social media as well that like pretends to not understand anything. Like we are very literal minded. If there's a way we can misconstrue this, this we will. This just happened to me. A friend of mine posted that how can um, they require when you arrest Muslim women, they have to be photographed. They say, no, 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 you can't take the, veil, the veils off. You can't take the burqas off to photograph them. If they're being arrested for a crime, yeah. right? And I said... You know, if these women want to live according to the rules of a theocracy, according to Sharia law, then they can go back to the nations where they have Sharia law yeah. and not be photographed uh, without their burqas. And do you know what the answer to that was? How do you know they're from somewhere else? <laughs> what difference does it make? <laughs> because so, so so I answered. I probably shouldn't have. I, I I said because Americans tend not to bag their women. <laughs> oh man, I got blocked. And there you go. And there you go. But it's legit. You know, uh, okay, so as they get rid of all these crimes, and as we were discussing before, um, with the left and the authoritarian left and everything, they, uh, you know, they see a little bit of daylight, and then, and then they've, used, they've effectively used, just like, you know, these, these concepts. And religion hasn't disappeared. It's all just become this religion of the left. 
that's a religion. It's taken Abs- on faith. Absolutely, because they certainly argue as a faith, not with not with any kind of facts or logic or anything. They argue purely faith based. Mm-hmm. If I, if they disagree with me, that means I'm an evil racist. That's all that means. They're, they're not even going to address my points. I, I go church. through this all the time. You don't have to go you know, anywhere. I had I had a guy tell me that he's a victim of American homophobia. I said this is the best time. In the history of time to be gay, and you're in the best place in all the world to be gay. Manhattan. Well, he's actually in California. Even better. Even better, right? (laughs) And he said to me, "I, I can't tolerate your homophobia anymore, and he blocked me. For saying that. For saying that this is the best time and place to be gay. Yeah, and I'm not homophobic in the least. I have tons of gay. I grew up in New York City, for God's sake. Right. Yeah. And what's wrong with saying that? Nothing. But you know what's wrong with saying it to him? That uh, I'm not what? complaining. That he, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not validating his complaining. Sure. He has nothing to complain about. You don't agree with me, so therefore you're, you you are uh, hating me. To not agree with them is to hate them. Pat, do you realize that everything you're describing, you you aged into this? I had to witness it as an explosion because in prison they don't know these things. Okay. They, I was curious about that. It hasn't reached there yet. Like they know to yell "Black Lives Matter" when they're when they're messing with the guards, but the the real you know more liberal activism just hasn't reached there yet mm-hmm. so I was unaware and and I was reading the New Yorker and Atlantic Monthly and Harper's the whole time and listening to public radio so I had my uh, gut suspicions but I thought you know they haven't led me wrong during my pre-prison life how bad could it be holy shit I come out in 2014 and the first thing I hear is that I have white, like I said, white privilege on parole. Mm. And that's where it all started. Yeah, it, it really makes a difference when it becomes personal right away. Yes, and but, but imagine it all coming at once at you, not as a gradual evolution. You know, a, a lot of people were asleep for that, though. Really? Yeah, I mean, it we... It caught people we, by surprise? Well, I mean, like, it's the, it's the old boiling frog metaphor, you know what I mean? Like, we accepted all these things... You know, incrementally, right? And so, like, but at a certain point, we all have a point. But it's funny. Anybody who's changed their mind, I know that getting it all at once, it, what a, that's that must be <laughs> enraging. Well, I mean, it's not know, just enraging, but it flips you politically immediately. Yeah. It's like, I, in, in one day, I become a Republican. A true, a true blue, it's a over. true red pill. It's over. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, because, look, I mean, as soon as it's like a freedom of speech thing, then that, to me, like, I, I don't want anybody telling me what, what I can't can say. That's horrifying that that's even allowed. I watched a video where a woman told a, a guy that he couldn't have dreadlocks because it was uh, cultural appropriation for a white guy to have dreadlocks. Is this the one by now, the stairs and she's yes, like standing yes. as well? Yes, Now, it's now I, I, I do have to say that I, I think white people with dreadlocks are hideously, look vulgar and they're stupid. They usually but smell, that's, yeah. that's just a personal, I, I think they should be allowed to have dreadlocks. It shouldn't even be questioned. So it's shocking to me that, and this woman, she was so sure of herself. Yeah. She she knew she was being filmed. She's in the university. She was, that's, when you say it's a religion, that's the proof of it right there. Yeah. She had absolute faith in the in the rightness of what she was doing. And completely self-righteous and motivated by the right things in her mind. And yeah, it's, it's, it, and there's no, t- I don't know how that could ever be punctured, let alone turned around. I don't know, but you know who gets it bad? You said you're from the South. The the, the rest of the country that still goes to church, you know, 
that's where all the charity comes from. That's where a lot of the countries, you know, the, the part of America that has a, a, a tolerant nature that feels bad about its history of slavery, it really comes from those people, the people who have morals, who have morals that have nothing to do with what they hear on YouTube or from Jenk Uyghur, but morals that they've grown up with, mm-hmm. that they know it's wrong to treat people according to their race and not according to their individual characteristics. And those are the very people who get targeted. Yeah. The, the Christians. Sure. You have to take that. And do you know why they get targeted, I think? Simply because they turn the other cheek? I don't think so. Then why? Because... Uh, what did they do? Well, that's it's part of what holds the country together. And they got to be eliminated. They have to eliminate that way of thinking. Well, they, they pay all the taxes. It's okay. They'll still pay them. They're not going to get out of that. They just have to be eliminated their way of thinking. Uh, and it's it's very it's a very important part of the communist takeover, which is happening. And uh, it's um, it's uh, look, who is it that that drives all that? Who's opening the businesses and all that kind of stuff? You know, and you find out who that is. Maybe they've got guns. We got to get the guns away from them, and we got to get their god away from them. You know what I mean? And and that's what they're trying to do. And then the guns, gods, and gays. I remember that. Mm. Just recently, um, last weekend, my wife and I went went to uh, Midtown, and there was a march here. There was a march of kids against guns. Oh, you're talking about the March for Our Lives. Right. What the hell were they talking about? These kids can't get guns anyway. What are they? What are they marching against? Well, yeah, because uh, they're out there because they're harder to argue with. They are victims of this whole, you know, school shooting. Oh, useful idiots, in other words. Exactly. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, school shootings. You know, I went to Stuyvesant High School. If ever there was a high school that would have had a school shooting, I thought it would have been mine. And they really are an ugly thing. The number one ranked uh, high school in the whole in the whole city, by the way. Yes, yes, I had a very good time there. Yeah. Uh, but but are school shootings really going to be affected by, you know, they'll, they'll light fires. They'll, they'll do something. I don't I don't think the the problem should be addressed at its root, not not by the tools with which it's, it happens. Well, let's look at the truth of it then. That the the problem is not the guns, it's the kids. Well, yes, mental yeah. illness in the kids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so and you they sure that get back drugged to, a lot by the way. Well, the pharmaceutical companies are involved. They're all on Adderall. Yeah. Which is, I don't think Adderall makes you go shoot people, but a combination of, uh, I mean, it, it can it could probably help. It could probably, mm-hmm. <laughs> it could certainly get you pretty angsty if you take a little too much. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it can for sure. But they, you know, the it's the households, it's the it's uh, the the drugs, it's the over uh, diagnosing of things, a little mood disorders and stuff. Well, like that. Well, if you're gonna say it's broken families, then you mm-hmm. can certainly thank the welfare state for that one. Sure. Because yeah. what broke up? I mean, you know, with the, for example, the the black population, they they had a very strong family network before the uh, great uh, what was what was the program called? Um, 1965 program that was supposed to make everybody take everybody out of poverty. But the Civil Rights Act and all that stuff at the same time. Great yeah, society. The great program. society. Yes. Lyndon Johnson. Be, before that, they they had they had a stronger a lesser divorce rate than the white population. They were connected to the church. So ah oh, well, well that somehow that's been destroyed. Yeah, the churches aren't even staying open anymore, but that's okay. They'll be replaced by mosques. 
that's not going to work. The, the Islam hasn't had a reformation yet, so right. they're still in medieval times. That's okay. They still stone people. Now, you sound very, very uh, like a Western chauvinist or something. Uh, well, what do you think I read from 1,046 books? <laughs> Although, let me tell you something. I did read from all around the world, and I, I, I read books by Egyptians and, uh, and translations from the Arabic. I'm not unaware of the cultural movements in the Middle East and in other places. And let me tell you something. We're betraying people there. There's plenty of people in those countries who want a Western world, who want liberties. They want every country to have a constitution like Your the Coptic U.S. Coptic Christians and whatnot. Yes, well, that's a terrible story. Lawrence Durrell wrote about that. The Coptic Christians, the fact that we don't support them is a crime. Mm -hmm. A crime, because yeah. those people are horribly oppressed in Egypt. And... You know, I mean, the fact that Obama and Israel, that's not a pretty story. Israel no. is our ally. Yeah. I, I, that's, I truly don't understand anybody, anybody Jewish who, uh, and there are many, many liberal Jewish people who, who are, you know. Don't support Israel. Yes, they who, like Palestine. Yes. Who, who like Obama and, and they uh, don't support an administration uh, who immediately moved the, the you know, the capital to, uh, to Israel, you know, Jerusalem. My own, my own, my own father is against that move. It's just shocking to me. And I visited Jerusalem with him. We were there together. We saw the Western Wall. So but, politics becomes stronger than religion. Well, the thing is, because is it is a religion. You, you've got religion versus religion, right? Because it is a form of uh, religion, uh, although unfortunately it's a cult. And let's look. Uh, it, it's a cult, but it's huge. And the and, social uh, justice cult. The salt, social justice cult. And but, uh, yeah, they. they Pat, yes. let me ask you this. Please. When people join movements, right, like when guys became hippies or when guys became rapper gangsters, I always figured that when you adopt an identity like that, your ulterior motive is to get laid. The social <laughs> justice, am I wrong there? Am I wrong? Do guys not join football teams for that reason? No, no, it's just a, it's just a very good point, yeah. So, here's my question. Has social justice gotten anybody laid? No. Maybe some dykes. But not. <laughs> I don't think that social justice is actually good for guys. No, man. It's the worst. And, and the thing is, is that they've become, they're so browbeaten. And uh, a lot of guys, at some point, they just said, fuck it. You know what I mean? I give up. Uh, and then their kids are the ones we have now, these beta guys who are like, you know, beta. the ones who cry... Uh, or say they cried when they saw somebody in a headlock and shit like that, you know, it's because they think like, well, that's really scoring me points. You know, it's it's so, you know what it is? They'd rather have approval than sex. But that's a terrible thing. That's going to destroy the species. The Muslims really are going to outbreed us then. They are. No, they are. That's going to happen. Because you know what? This is, this is what makes me happy. There's a natural lifespan because I want to be dead when most of this happens. And fortunately, I think we'll be dead for most of it because it's going to get worse. Yeah, but I'm I'm a, I'm a we're big we're the last fiction the last guy. I really want people to go to Mars. We're the last of the OGs, man. It's a, <laughs> it's like a Generation X, man. We're the last ones who have any goddamn sense. You can, you occasionally meet a millennial. But you said it earlier uh, today that today's counterculture is right wing. Milo Yiannopoulos, for example. Exactly. I like him. I do too. I think he's clever. He's, he's and smashing. But he's right. Above all, he's right. <laughs> well, you know, he's exploiting like anybody, like anybody else. Like, like me when I exploit my own prison stories. Milo Yiannopoulos, he knows what he's doing to make himself a great career. Yeah, but he is right. Yes. And and, and, and like, uh, but he's young and he and he has a young audience. Yeah, but he's also not American. That's a problem, huh? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, it's uh, 
there's a reason why he we don't was have... taken out is because he's gay and uh, there's really not a lot you can say about him. You know what I mean? Right. You the can't game attack him. protects him. But, Anybody but who's who... unattackable, they had to just get rid of. But Ann Coulter, she, they thought she was unattackable because she's a woman, but it turned out not to be the case. Well, with women, women are on a lower priority now. You mean the, virtu- the stack of uh, victims? Well, I mean, they, they kick the woman out in Canada... For the trans right, person, right, right, uh, right, and in in Europe, the women can be raped for the Muslims. Exactly, right. So they're they're kind of like almost, you know, they're they're the next tier up from us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and it and it's there is. A, I and, know that gay white men are definitely off the victim status because they're rich in America. You know, they they do very well. Yeah, they're not victims anymore. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, and they, Asians. They, they oh my be. God, Asians! It's just ridiculous. They're like worse than they're the Nazis. They sort of present a problem, don't they? Because oh, they don't really they're the wrong brown. They don't fit into. They're uh, too successful. They're they're hardly discussed in all this stuff. You know what yes. I mean? It's, you know, Stuyvesant High School, which you mentioned when I was there, was fifty percent Asian. Right now, it's seventy five percent Asian. Now, and, it, and if it wasn't for quotas, it would be 100% What Asian. quotas? No, 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 sir. There are no quotas in Stives in high school because if there were quotas, there wouldn't be a 1% black population. Oh. 1%. Right. This is a jaw-dropping figure for a city that has a 70% minority population in the school system. Well, don't they go strictly... Like, strictly stri- by the test. Strictly by the test. Strictly by the test. <laughs> Stuyvesant pays bribes in order to make this happen. Now, why not? Why not... Do that everywhere. Just say we don't look. It, eliminating color with criminals doesn't make any sense because you need statistics. You need because uh, this is after the fact. You know what I mean? Uh, the crime's already happened. Right. So why not? And and also you know to to know uh, be able to identify somebody or whatever. But in but, a school, why, why not just like submit all the tests? You know, no with no racial information, no name. <laughs> because what they really want is not an equality of opportunity, but an equality of outcome. Exactly. So when Stives in high school becomes 75% Asian, you can say, my God, it's a minority school. It's a, it's a minority success story. And then you find out they're Asian and everybody goes nuts. They say, Do you know what the last bribe Stivesen paid in order to keep itself away from a quota system? They hired 15 ambassadors to minority neighborhoods because they figured the reason why there's not as much minority population is that the students don't know about the, the school. They pretended and, to figure that. And they don't know that they should take the test and try to get in. So 15 people got jobs, full-time jobs, just going to the minority schools and letting them know about Stuyvesant. Good God. That's a bribe. That's an, that, that, that gives them five years of no quotas. And then in five years, when the school is going to be 90% Asian and 10% Jewish, then then they're going to, then, then what's, what's, what's next? How are you going to, what, and you still got the 1% black. What are you going to, what's the next bribe going to be? Are they just going to pay gold bars? What are they going to do? There's almost nothing left. Last time they, 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 they allowed, uh, what they did is they let the, the pool be used by the community. That was the bribe before this one. Oh, boy. There's a long history of this. So they agreed to stop using the pool. No, no, no. Of course they <laughs> used the pool. The bribes add on. They don't cancel each other out. No, no, no. Like, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, the pool is publicly available. Yes. So everybody who goes to Stuyvesant said, okay, we'll oh, not yeah, use yeah, the yeah, pool Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave up their pool. Yeah, they don't have a swim team anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you know, the government can seize your property at any time, eminent domain, uh, the, which the Supreme Court signed off on, I don't know, t- 15, 20 years ago, maybe. But isn't that mostly done in highways, like to 
overpasses and things like that? Well, the thing is, it might be mostly done that way, but they can do it. They can seize it, just like they are right now in South Africa. I mean, they, you know, and that's exactly what they were counting on. It's like, it's, look, it's just for highways and shit like that. You know I, I mean? don't know. I heard a lot of talk of this when guys talked about becoming sovereign, where they figured that if they just submitted the right paperwork, they'd be able to walk out of jail because they were no longer American citizens. I've heard of that movement. So it's it didn't ridiculous. matter that they raped and killed somebody. So, <laughs> that's okay and, in my country. And and for some reason, they were owed $70 million because their names were put in capital letters on the ID cards. Jesus. That was really big, the capital letters. So I always get a little, uh, you know... Uh, conspiracy theories are not quite my, my, my thing. But eminent domain is not a conspiracy theory. It's a fact. There's they have the right limits. to do that. Yeah, yeah we're going to wrap it up. Uh, because, uh, yeah, the show's over. Will you come back again? Yeah, sure. This is fun. Yeah, I, I, am I am I am I, am I going to lose my future uh, because of you? Nobody <laughs> listens to my show. You're you're lucky. No, the people. <laughs> oh, no, they're gonna now. I have people <laughs> follow me, and yeah, I'm gonna you know. That's why you're here. Uh, because you're a draw, and and, and thanks to fans of uh, Dan Dennis who came uh, to to hear me to hear you on Crime Report. I appreciate that. Listen, and, and the fans of this show are better than most people. They really are. I would assume so. Yeah, because it's a, there's a certain kind of uh, look. I mean, law it, and order with some laughs. Exactly. We didn't talk. We usually talk more individual crimes. We'll have more crimes uh, next time uh, we talk. And uh, thank you one more time, uh, Dan. Janice, thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. Is it over?